Yeah, I don't know what happened. OBS just crashed on us. OBS just crashed on us. Sorry about that, folks. Are we on now? Uh, let's yeah. do a test here. Yeah, we're on. Yeah. Uh, yep, we're on. All right. All right, sorry about that. Let's start all over. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome, everybody, to the Sufina Society Nothing But Facts live stream, where we just had a cut, so we just have to start over. Sorry about that, everybody. So it happens sometimes. You never know what happens with technology. It just gets glitchy. Uh, but people uh, are afraid of a certain hadith, and, th- and that is the hadith that the Prophet wasallam said, Ashaddu nasi bala'an al-anbiya. The worst of people in tribulation are the prophets, then those after them, and then those after them. So many people say, well, I don't know if I want to advance because there's all these tests. Well, what you have to realize is that not only are all these tests, but there's also all this protection. So we're going to read here the chapter from the Shifa of Qad Iyad on the protection of the Prophet the, how much the Prophet, peace be upon him, was actually protected. And so, this hadith starts, he starts with the hadith of forgetfulness. Uh, how could the Prophet forget something about Salah? Well, the answer is that he was made to forget so that he could set an example. And that's a big difference between, for example, let's say Christianity, where Jesus is like, doesn't, d- there are no examples where he lives normal life. He's not normal. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always calls him Ruhullah, meaning he is a very unique command from Allah and has his own way of living, his own existence. Okay? And so that, he, his, his first existence and his last is, is not the example for all of mankind. The example for all of mankind until the end of time is the messenger, peace be upon him, who lives that normal life that has its ups and its downs. And has things such as forgetfulness. So one time the Prophet, peace be upon him, was praying the salah. It was a four rakah salah. It was salat al-asr. And he salamed out of two rakahs. Dhul Yadain got up and asked the Prophet a question. Is the salah shortened or did you forget? The Prophet, sallallahu All of that did not happen. None of that happened. Dhul Yadain said it must have been one of them. Okay. All right. Iqadi Ayyad says, My position is that the matter can only be based on either a position which allows a prophet to have doubt and error regarding things which are not actually part of the message. Okay. So a prophet can forget something that is not a part of the message. So this is, he did not forget if Dhuhr has four rakahs or two. Rather, the prophet forgot or forgot that specific salah, okay, or had a doubt, all right, and this is necessary for him to set an example, okay. As for those who say oversight and forgetfulness is impossible for the prophet, well, then the whole incident would have to be deemed false, which they can't deem false because the transmission is sound, and it happened in front of all the sahaba, so that's out of the question, okay. And some others say, no, he deliberately forgot and that's a possibility all right but actually sorry it's that's not a possibility because there's no such thing as deliberately forgetting right the prophet said 
okay? I uh, forget, or I'm made to forget. In other words, it is intentional that the Prophet ﷺ was made to forget. All right? And in another example here, they say, in another opinion, that he didn't forget at all. He deliberately did it. But wait a second, right? Uh, is that possible? Yes, it's possible. This is opinion. Qadi Ayyad says it's possible, right? Because in in Aqasurat uh, Salah Amnasit, right? Did you forget, or is this prayer shortened? The Prophet said neither of those is the case, right? So the one who forgets doesn't realize that he forgot. That's the first thing. So that's so his statement is true. If he forgot, his statement is true. Um, if he was, he deliberately did it, then his statement is still true, right? If he deliberately prayed two rakas, to set the example, then its statement is true that neither did I forget, nor was this prayer shortened, right? Okay, so that is a commendable opinion, uh, according to Qadiyat, right? Now, as for the impossibility of oversight on his part where speech is concerned, the permissibility of oversight by him where no speech is concerned, there are various answers. One answer is that the Prophet ﷺ speaking about what he thought was the case and he was aware of, and what he was aware of. As for his denial that he shortened the prayer, it will be true and verifiably inwardly and outwardly. As for his forgetting, the Prophet reported about what he believed to be the case. And that's, that's what you're mukallif. The taklif is what you believe to be the case. Okay? It's what you believe to be the case. It was as if the statement referred to what he thought, even if he did not express it in that way. This is also true. Second possibility, I did not forget. Okay, refers to the salam. I gave the salam, but overlooked number of rakas. Possible, but improbable. A third position, the most improbable of all. Okay, it was not uh, one of, uh, it was not either of these things, mean that it was not both shortening and forgetfulness that were involved, but only one of them. Now nah, that's a far that's far off. That's not what the prophet meant. He he meant neither of them. He didn't mean neither combined. Okay. All right. So this is what the imam say. <clears throat> what appears to me says Qadiyyad to be the closest of all these positions, uh, and the closest to the truth is that I did not forget is a negation. It is very bad for anyone to say I forgot such and such an ayah. The truth uh, is he was made to forget, and indeed. In one of the versions, he says, I did not forget, but I was made to forget. In other words, even his forgetting is part of the tashriya, part of the law giving by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even when he's, he forgets, it is part of the law and it's part of the religion. It's, some, it's, it's, it's divinely ordained so that he could set an example. Okay. When Dhuliyadain asked him, has the prayer been shortened or have you forgotten? The Prophet denied that it was shortened. Okay. And then he had forgotten by himself or that anything of that nature could occur. He was made to forget, all right? He then realized that he had been made to forget and that the reason for it was to set the sunnah of what to do if you forgot something in the salah and that is to pray to sujood as-sahu before the salam and then repeat the tahiyyah and then salam, uh, give the salam. If you added to the salah, then you pray sujood as-sahu after the salam, recite the tahiyyah, and give one more salam. Okay? 
That's how you do it. All right. Another position is what I found in the words of one of the shiuch. He says the Prophet wasallam became distracted in his prayer but did not forget. He was occasionally distracted from the movements of the prayer by concentration on the contents of the prayer. So this is not a heedless forgetfulness. All right. It was a, in being engrossed in the meanings of the surah. Okay. Or the dua that he's making in the sujood. In my opinion, says Qadiyad, the Prophet's words were directed at one of the two kinds of forgetfulness. He meant that he did not give the salam after only two rakahs in order not to complete the prayer. Rather, he forgot, but his forgetfulness was not of his own making. Okay? I did not forget, but I am made to forget, so that I may establish a sunnah. Okay? Okay? As for the stories in the texts of the Qur'an containing the words of Ibrahim, Inni Saqim. I'm sick, all right? And the other saying of Prophet Ibrahim, well, he wasn't sick, but he said he was sick. How about, kabiruhum. Their big one did it, all right? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh, by the way, are we remembering to put these on the playlist? Yeah. Okay. So how could a prophet say this when he wasn't sick and the big one didn't do it? So Prophet, we all know Prophet Ibrahim salam, broke all the idols, placed the uh, axe or the sledgehammer in the hand of a of of the big idol, okay, and then said the big one did it. But of course, he meant that he hit the thumb, his thumb, because you can't do something um, without your big thumb, your big finger. All right. So what do the scholars say about this? What about the, the hadith that says that the king of Egypt at that time, if he, in order to show his dominance over everybody, he would, he would spend a night with everyone's wife to show his domination over them, to break the men around him, spend the night with everyone's wife. He took that right to himself. So when he came with Ibrahim, Sayyidina Ibrahim came with Sarah, to protect her, he said, say that you're my sister. She said, I'm not your sister. That's a lie. She said, no, you're my sister in Iman. Okay. Believers are siblings amongst one, like a, a brotherhood. Okay. So these are also equivocations, which are called what? Tawriya. Tawriya. Tawriya is an equivocation that you understand what you intended but you've worded it in a way that could have two different meanings. And you mean one, and you know that the opposite person is going to mean the other. Okay, another one uh, example of equivocation or tawriya is when a Najashi came to the Prophet, believed in the Prophet wasallam, but yet he tried. To, his people were angry, and they said to him, we, we don't know now what your position is. So he wrote La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah on a piece of paper and he put it in his pocket. He said, you tell me what you believe. And they said, they recited their, you know, trinity. And he pointed to his, the paper in his pocket and he said, I believe in this. And they thought, okay, he agrees with us. But he knew in the sight of Allah that he meant the paper. And so that's why Sayyidina Jibreel came to the Prophet and said, pray janazah over him. 
Okay, the Shafi'iyah, all right, um, the Shafi'iyah came and said that the Prophet wasallam set the example of Salat al-Ghaib. Salat al-Ghaib. And the Malikiyah said, no, there's no such thing as Salat al-Ghaib. Salat al-Ghaib is the concept that is praying janazah over someone who is far away. And we say about this that, or the Malikiyah say about this, that no, it wasn't Salat al-Ghaib. It was that there was no one to pray behind him. No one knew he was a Muslim. And Sayyidina Jibreel informed the Prophet ﷺ. And so it's the sunnah that if someone dies, the nearest people who learn about him pray upon him. Let's say you learn that someone died off the coast of Florida. The nearest masjid to the coast of Florida is the one who prays Janazah upon him. It wouldn't be, for example, the people in Virginia or, 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 or Maryland or something like that. Right, which are the states north of Florida. It would be just the, the, the nearest state. The Shafi'i took a different opinion. The Shafi'i said that um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's akin to a dua. Janazah is like a dua. So anybody could do Salat al-Qaib. So the Madikiyah say, no, we, it's a khas, uh, that was one specific case for the Prophet, peace be upon him, because he was informed by Jibreel. Hence, is not similar to, uh, it's not Salat al-Ghaib. Okay. Now let's talk about Inni Saqeem. Hassan al-Basri said, I am sick as every creature is subject to illness. Right? I become sick. I, it's possible for me to become sick. Others said, no, he means he is sick in his heart at the shirk and rejection and obstinacy from hearing the message of Tawheed, which is fine because sickness can have a physical meaning and it could have a moral meaning. Okay, and people say it all the time in in the English language, and so it's possible that it meant, um, it meant uh, that in the um, in Arabic too. All right. It is also said that he was alluding to the weakness of his uh, persuasive persuasiveness, which is no. We would say no. Uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim never had weakness in persuasion in his persuasive methods. It's they who had um, weakness in understanding. Okay, when he says, "I am sick," meaning my arguments are weak. No, that's not correct. As for his words, the big one did it. Belfa'alahu kabiruhum. He made it conditional, as if we're saying, "If it can speak, I did this." This was uh, to censure the people because they say. How can an idol do this when it can't even speak, it can't even move? Okay. So he said, then you just answered yourself. How do you worship someone that can't move? Okay. As for his statement, my sister, the Tawriya, in which he said, say you're my sister, he made it clear. And the, uh, you're my sister in Iman. And the Quran makes it clear in Surah Al-Ahzab, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةً فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ أَخَوَيْكُمْ if you say that the Prophet called them lies, no, he meant, all right, and when the Prophet said three lies, meaning that in the eyes of those people, it was not what, uh, the, they didn't understand it correctly, all right? And that's in the hadith of intercession, that each Prophet had something that was less than perfect, and as a result, that Prophet held himself to be not worthy of intercession, yet the Prophet did not have any of this. 
And what Adam alayhi salam accused himself of, how can I stand before Allah for intercession when I'm the one who ate from the tree? Nuh alayhi salam, how can I stand before the people to try to save them now when I made dua for them to be flooded? Okay. Then they came to Musa alayhi salam, he said, I killed him. Uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he said, I had three, three times I did tawriya. They came to the Prophet uh, uh, Musa alayhi salam, he said, I killed a man. They came to the Prophet Isa bin Maryam, and of course he killed a man by accident. Came Prophet Isa bin Maryam, he said, I was worshipped on the earth after this. After my passing, I was worshipped on the earth. And they came to the Prophet and said, this is for me, this is for me. And this was the the, the one dua that the Prophet was had saved. Okay, it was for the intercession. All right, And the order of the intercession is that the intercession happens before the hisab. To take into account Okay So why would Prophet Ibrahim Deem himself um, Deem himself Sort of guilty in a sense For the Tawriya Simply because Prophets For them to do a halal thing Is less than The highest thing Okay So that's where uh, That's the difference here So the Prophets themselves are are uh, held, they hold themselves to a higher level, and as a result of that, um, he's deemed himself ineligible for the grand intercession. Okay, and that is the great intercession. Then there are lesser intercessions after that. Okay. What about in war? And the Prophet ﷺ was going on a raid, but he pretended that they were going somewhere else. There's no dispute about this. Because concealing from the enemy is okay. Lying to the enemy is okay. Think about this. The, what rights do the enemies have over you? You are going to kill them, right? We all understand that in war. They're trying to kill you, you're trying to kill them. So they don't have the right to know your, your, the truth from you. Okay. They have a few rights only. Is that they not be mutilated? That's one of their rights. That they're the innocent and non-combatants not be attacked. That's one of their rights. Okay. Does the prophet, uh, do other prophets intercede for their nations? Yes. Every prophet intercedes for his nation. And then within the nation, different martyrs and scholars and people who did good deeds. The, and those whom Allah chooses, they're all given a set number of people that they can uh, intercede upon or on whose behalf they may intercede. Okay. So there's no sense in a prophet or a general saying, oh, we're going tomorrow to, 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 uh, to uh, raid so-and-so, and here's our military plan. Well, that's absurd, right? Nobody does that. The, in the NFL, they protect their game plans. Uh, you know, they protect their game plans probably with, with security. It's like, what's worse, lying to someone or killing them? That's exactly it. We're going to kill you, right? We are trying to kill you. So lying to them, you have no right to the truth. Murder is a lot worse. So like, yeah. how can you say, oh, lying is, you know. Like exactly. Them, like. Exactly. So that's why it's one of the cases where you're allowed to lie. You're allowed to lie in a couple cases. Okay. Such as somebody whose feelings would be hurt. And it's not a matter of rights. That's the difference, right? It's not a matter of rights. There's no financial, there's no legal rights involved with the person. So if someone invites you to dinner, they open up a new restaurant and they say, oh, what do you think of the restaurant? You say to them, 
oh, it's great. The food was amazing. Although you di- actually didn't like the food. You didn't actually like the food. That's okay. You're allowed to tell that lie. Okay. Or someone said, oh, what do you think of this new thobe? And they're just, it's just talk, right? You're allowed to say, yes, it's wonderful. Okay. Especially for your family. A, a man, a woman came to Amr al Khattab. Uh, and her, uh, a man dragged his wife to Amr al Khattab. Omar said, we're getting, he, the man said, we're getting divorced. Omar said, oh, you love this woman. He said, she, uh, he said, she doesn't love me anymore. He said, let me speak to her. Because he didn't think that this was possible. He said that, uh, did you tell him that you don't love him? She said, yes. He said, why would you say something like this? She said, oh, Omar, he said, do you love me? I said, yes. He said, by Allah, do you love me? I said, yes. He said, swear by Allah that you love me. And she said, I thought I'm going to be sinful. So I swore by Allah and I said the truth. He said, no, this situation, you don't have to say that, right? You shouldn't have said that. All right. See, this is the guidance and teaching of the Sayyid Al-Kawnein, because this is actually stuff that's important. Someone may take it literally. And many, many, many people, they have trip-ups in religion, really. They get, like, really, uh, they trip up in piety, okay? They trip up in their piety. They try to, they may imagine that things have to be harder than it actually is, okay? Here's a question on uh, the intercession of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Is the intercession on Qiyamah proof of the permissibility of istighatha? Allah A'lam. I don't, I never saw it specifically as a proof for that. But a person could say, oh, Allah, make the Prophet our Shafi'a on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You might ask about the meaning of Musa's words. Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam. Which person has the most knowledge? And he replied, I know most. And then Allah Ta'ala uh, reminded him that he should attribute his knowledge to Allah. And then he says, rather, a slave of ours at the junction of two seas knows more than you. Okay, so how do we answer that? Did the Prophet Musa, all right, um, was he incorrect in saying that he was the most knowledgeable? No, because he is the most, he was the most knowledgeable, but he didn't have the same knowledge that Khidr had. Okay, his not, name is not mentioned in the Quran as Khidr, but we know him in the hadith known as Khidr, that he himself, he had a different knowledge so, no, you don't, it, it, he has more knowledge than you in certain fields, in a certain dimension. And Khidr has something else. You could probably spend a whole live stream on Khidr, but there's not much, mm, I don't want to say there's no benefit, but it doesn't necessarily apply to us because he's got his own law. And the parts about Khidr that are beautiful they're related, they're under the category of mukashifat, mukashifat of ulama, who have said that Khidr lives until the battles of the end times, and he dies in one of the battles of the end of time by the, at the hand of the Dajjal, and that he lives, half of his life is in this dunya, and the other half is almost as if in the barzakh or something, um, and that he does not eat, his food is dhikr, so he has his own law. Just like we said earlier, Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam, he has his own law. Okay? He has his own law. In that law, 
I don't mean Sharia. I mean physically. In his reality, he can re resurrect the dead. He can do all these mu'ajizat and that nobody else did. Okay, he can go and be lifted into the skies, into the heavens for over a thousand years and come back. Okay, no one else does this. So Khidr is in the dunya and that he it is said about him that he's everywhere where there's a calamity and his job is to roam the earth helping people and he attends the gatherings of knowledge and the gatherings of dhikr in a spirit of helping the Muslims and when uh, one scholar I heard talking he said if you ever want to see Khidr go to any relief site go to relief like now there's an earthquake in Morocco that happened uh, last Friday, may Allah Ta'ala protect uh, the country from having any, you know, after effects or all the side effects and all the deaths. May Allah Ta'ala have mercy upon all those who passed away and make them martyrs. Shuhada, it's the death of a martyr. But they say that in any of those relief sites, Khidr is there. And Allah knows best. But I personally, you know, believe those shiuch. But it's not a belief that is aqidah that we can prove. It's just their claim. But knowing who they are and their stature and how many reports from the scholars that Khidr is seen. So I personally accept it. <clears throat> right. But again, we can't make it a aqidah. Right. It's their claim. And when, a, when a, a, a truthful person makes a claim, it's up to you to believe him or not. And there's so many, so many scholars that said Khidr can be seen. Okay. What is the law of Khidr? The law that Khidr lives by is physically speaking, he doesn't need to, he doesn't live with, with uh, what we need. The human needs that we have, he doesn't have. Okay. Um, secondly, that he takes different forms. He can take different forms, yeah. And he takes the form of a very modest form usually that people would no, pay no attention to in whatever culture it is. All right. uh, it would look like just fit in. Secondly, thirdly, that he is shown if future events. When he's shown them, it's a sign for him to, to, to try to stop it. So what he's shown is not the future, it's a, a possible future. Okay, It's a possible future. Or it's a future for one person, but he could protect another person from it. So, for example, he was shown that there's going to be a a, a a pirate or a king, an oppressive king, taking ships. So that's a fact. It's not going to change. But he can protect the weak fishermen from that. How? By breaking their ship, making them stay home for a few days while that king passes by. That's an example of that. That's what I mean that he is living on his own law. Okay. And the reason I say that, is, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant for us or unimportant because he is mentioned in the Quran and therefore he's important. Very important. But what I'm saying is that there's no sharia from Khidr to us. And there's no certainty, absolute certainty about the nature of his life. Okay. Or the claims from the ulama that he lives on until the end the battles of end times but big i'm sure we can collect a you know a pretty decent sized booklet of the scholars who established that khidr lives like this and i'm pretty sure that siyuti has an essay on it 
Could you look that up? That would be really fascinating to read. Hi, this is uh, a little nebda, a little bit of a nugget on Sayyidina al-Khidr. Okay. Okay. And secondly, the answer to the the saying that did was Moses, Moses correct or incorrect? Yet, well, he was answering... He was answering according to his knowledge. So according to my knowledge, I, I'm the most knowledgeable person on the earth. Okay. All right. So the all these are what we call makharaj, understandings. How do we bring two things together? And you have to get a makharaj, a way out from contradiction. Reading here from the Shifa of Qadiyyad. Only a couple more chap, uh, paragraphs here. He says here, this is why the Prophet ﷺ said, preserving himself from the same thing happening in this case, and this is part of knowledge he was given. He says, I'm the master of the children of Adam, and there is no boasting in this. He's informing us that he is the chief of human beings. If human beings need to have a chief, it's Sayyid al-Kawnayn And there's no boasting in this. This hadith is one of the arguments used by those who maintain that Khidr was a prophet since he said, I know more than Moses. And the wali cannot have more knowledge than a prophet, whereas the prophets vary in knowledge. So there's a very, very strong argument that Khidr is a prophet. Otherwise, how does he have his own law? Wouldn't he be subjected to another messenger's law or another prophet's law? Or is he not exactly mukallaf anymore because of the way that or he's not mukallaf to follow any prophet because of how he lives. We, we don't have any, you know, there's no concept like that. There is no concept of somebody, you know, being, having an intellect yet not being mukallaf. Like there's no, you, you have to bring a proof for that. Say because he entered some spiritual state where he's no longer mukallaf to follow prophets? No, where did you get that? Sayyidina Khidr says in the Quran, I did not do it of my own biding, uh, uh, my own bidding. Okay. He indicated that what he did came through revelation. So therefore, he's taking full-on actions. Breaking a ship, killing a person, fixing a wall. From wahi. Okay. Some people say no. It was on the command of another prophet. This is very weak. Okay. None of the people of n traditions have related anything which can be relied upon in this regard. Uh, if we considered I know more than you, not to be a general statement, but particular to a specific case. That's really what we understand. So Khidr knew a specific realm of knowledge that Moses didn't know. That's where it makes sense for us to say Khidr knew more. No, he knew more in this field. Okay. It's always really good to hang out with people who are, you know, knowledgeable in a different field than you. All right. Where you, you literally don't know any I usually when I'm with doctors, I, I pester them and I learn. I learn a lot. Well, let me tell you something amazing in the field of medicine. So, um, radiation, when there's a tumor, they use radiation as one of the techniques. And why radiation is nice, because 
it literally is instantaneous. It's like going for an x-ray. There are no side effects except maybe uh, the skin gets a little red. So I was always wondering, like, how does the radiation, and my I've, my tasawur, my imagination of the radiation was that it's a, a single beam. And I was like, how does it destroy the tumor and not destroying everything in the, in the middle, right? And, um, and the doc said, no, 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 it's not like that at all. It's hundreds of rays of a small magnitude, and they meet together at the location of the, t- of the tumor, and they destroy the tumor, okay? But they don't destroy the skin or the bones. Now, listen to this piece of technology. It just blows my mind away. Even the, the, the oncologist I was sitting with, he doesn't know how it works. There is now a, a beam of radiation. You send it in. It goes into the skin, through the skin, through the bone. It gets to the tumor exactly where you want it to be. Then they turn it on. It's like they turn the voltage on. It blows up that tumor completely, zaps it, kills it, and then they turn it off again, and then it exits with a very low, uh, you know, uh, amount of radiation. So that it, it's basically like a controlled the energy of uh, of the radiation. I don't know what what is the unit for radiation. I don't know what the unit is even. All right, I was going to say voltage or wattage, right? But it's amazing. Like this is something that I got to know more about it. I'm like fascinated by the concept that it goes in, all right, hits the tumor, they turn it on, then they turn it off again, and it exits the because got to exit the body. It just it doesn't just stay there, right? Got to exit the body. So, um, Lily Rose is called this proton. Yeah, it's proton. Uh, that word is in the, in the name of it. It's fascinating. You got to sit with people who know something that you have no clue about and just, you know, realize how many fields of knowledge there are. There used to be a time, probably not over 500 years ago, where if you were studious, by age 35, you learned everything there was to learn. Like human knowledge was not that great. And that's why you had polymaths. Polymaths, scholars in every field. He's a mathematician, an astrologer, uh, or astronomer. Um, he's a physician. Okay, he... Everything. A faqih, a mufti, everything. I'm going to look up this proton thing in a second. It's good to have to, to you know, have a variety of knowledge. Once you learn stuff, you start realizing how they get... how. People spend their profet, their, you know, their their whole life doing it. Okay. Proton beam therapy says Lily. Okay. All right, let's stop here. In terms of the meaning of prophets forgetting or not knowing something, that's what it means. Let's now turn. What are we turning to now? Proton beam therapy. We'll look at that in a second. Uh, I have a quiz for everybody here. I was asked recently that a man said to me, I have something. I discovered a website for something. And the shipping to my house is uh, you know, more efficient than to my friend's house. 
So he said, I'll, I'll buy it, and then you buy it from me, right? Is this a valid contract in Islam? So I'm going to go buy it from the internet, then I'll sell it to you. Is this valid or not? Okay. And the answer is that the fuqaha said at that provided that it takes you three days or less to obtain the item and you have a certainty that you can obtain the item, then it's valid. But he has to pay you now. Got to pay you now. Can't pay you later. Why is that? Because a sharia only want, wants one debt to be active at a time. If I say, I'm going to buy it for you, and you say, I'll pay you. So I'm going to obtain the item from, for you. And you're going to pay me later. And that's a deal. If that's a deal, that's two debts. That's a debt for a debt. And that's not permitted. You have to understand that it's one of the... Uh, it's one of the themes of the Sharia. It's a theme of the Sharia to reduce the number of debts possible. You cannot sell debt for debt. Okay. And so what would make this valid is that if it takes three days or less, and that's it's shihadi number that Malik said, three days or less for me to obtain the goods, but you have to pay me on the spot. That's called salam. Salam. It's usually it's the opposite. Okay. But it's the case where the seller, he has, he's got the stuff, but he doesn't have it with him right now. And the buyer wants to secure it. So, and where is this most used in agriculture and farming? It's called salam. Let's read from Ibn Abi Zayd so we could get some, to f- some learn some fiqh. وَلَا بَأْسَ بِالسَّلَمِ فِي الْعُرُودِ وَالرَّقِيقِ وَالْحَيَوَانِ وَالطَّعَامِ وَالْإِدَامِ بِصِفَةٍ مَعْلُومَةٍ So it has to have a sifa ma'luma. A, a specific, specific description, like red apples, green apples, okay? Um, X amount of kilograms of, of green apples, I need them for my restaurant or for my shop, okay? And the man says, yes, I will give it to you as soon as they harvest, okay? As, you have to give it, you can't just say, here's, take a hundred bucks, get me the apples when you get them. No, you got to give me a time. Okay, the harvest time is a time. وَيُعَجِّلُ رَأْسَ الْمَالِ Okay, أَوْ يُؤَخِّرُهُ إِلَى مِثْلِ يَوْمَيْنِ أَوْ ثَلَاثَ وَإِنْ كَانَ بِشَرْتِ Okay, maximum he can wait is thirteen is three days before he gets him the money. Okay, if he needs to get the money, you get three three, three days to get the money. وَأَجَلُ السَّلَمِ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْنَا أَنْ يَكُونَ خَمْسَةَ عَشَرَ يَوْمًا أو على أن يقبض ببلد آخر وإن كانت مسافته يومين أو ثلاثة. ومن أسلم إلى ثلاثة أيام يقبضه ببلد أسلم فيه فقد أجازه غير واحد من العلماء وكرهه آخرون ولا يجوز أن يكون رأس المال من جنس ما أسلم فيه. Of course that the currency, what you're paying and what you're receiving have to be of different ajness. Okay? Different ajness. 
Okay. وَلَا يُسْلَمْ شَيْءٌ فِي جِنْسِهِ أَوْ فِي مَا يَقْرُبُ مِنْهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يُقْرِضَهُ شَيْئًا فِي مِثْلِهِ صِفَةً وَمِقْدَارًا وَالنَّفْعُ لِلْمُتَسَلِّفِ وَلَا يَجُوزُ دَيْنٌ بِدَيْنٌ Okay, that's what we meant. وَتَأْخِيرُ رَأْسِ الْمَالِ بِشَرْتٍ إِلَى مَحَلِّ السَّلَمْ أَوْ مَا بَعُدَ مِنَ الْعُقْدَةِ uh, now he gets into debt for debt. So it's one of the themes of the Sharia that uh, the theme of the Sharia that you can't have multiple, you don't want multiple debts. All right. Now, can I do, is there salam for a service? That's a good question. Or is it only for an item? So, for example, can I'm going to tutor you in math. Here's $200 up front. Tutor my daughter in math or something like that. Okay. That's uh, it's a good question. Is there salam? But no, I'll tell you why there is. It's not. It won't be called salam. It's not salam. Because in that, it would be ijara. I'll tell you why. Because the moment that you begin... The service, that's the obtaining of the the ijara. Okay. It's ijara. It's rental. It's a rent. Or a hire. We call it a hire. Rent and a hire are similar things in the Sharia. Ijara. Okay. So when I rent your services, okay, it's it's a, it's a type of contract where I pay you the moment you begin, it's as if you've given it to me. Okay. So if I say, hey, listen, here's 200 bucks, tutor my daughter in math and give her, you know, let's say X, Y, Z hours of, of math tutoring and say, okay, I'll, I'll start preparing. The moment he's, he's preparing, plus. So same thing if it's life coaching or same thing if it's uh, a service like that. As soon as the person begins thinking about, all right, what am I going to do with this person? What am I going to do? What am I going to It's that's as if. You gain it. So, shara'a, he began to provide you the service. Halas. That's good. And the salam is at least 15 days difference. For it to be salam. I had said three days. I meant three days. The, the correct was three days to get you the money. Maximum three days to go get you the money. So then it's not considered debt for date. Debt for debt. You get um, three days to go get the money. Okay. But if, if I'm going to get you the money in more than three days and you're not going to get me the product for a period of time, that's debt for debt. So it's like, let, let's take an example. I want to buy a car from you. It's a $5,000 car. I say, all right, the car is in California, right? I got it here. On, uh, it's, 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 it's online. I see it right here. I just got to go get it from California. How long is it going to take? Three weeks. All right, fine. Let me just give it, give you the money now. All right. So that's salam, right? But then I say, oh, shoot. My check's not going to clear. When's it going to clear? In two days. All right, we got a deal. Your check clears in two days. You get three days to come up with the money. The, so that's a rukhsa in the Madiki method based on ijtihad. Three days to come up with the money. Then it's not debt for debt for three days because you're in the process of clearing the check. Now, what would be unlawful? 
When can you get me the car? Three weeks. When can you get me the money? Also three weeks. Then no deal. Can't make a deal on that. Why? That's debt for debt. You see what we're saying here? Whenever two parties come, one of them's got to bring the cash and only one is in debt. You can't have debt for debt. That's the concept of Sedum. All right? That's the concept. All right, talk about Khidr here. Is he the Buddha? No, he's not the Buddha. No. Buddha, no. There's no basis for them to be... Con- now, Siddhartha Gautama... Siddhartha Gautama may have been a very... may have been some something of truth to, to, to him as a righteous person, maybe even a prophet, but we can't say for sure. Cannot say for sure. All right, Lana says, I used to be a cancer researcher, and it's honestly crazy just to learn how even chemo was extracted from plants. Okay? There's also a new chemo drug from a specific... Um, what'd she say? Oh, she deleted it. I think she deleted it. Okay. Let's look up. I'm, I'm really curious, to be honest with you, about this proton therapy. How's it work? We have a couple more segments with a couple things I need to share with everybody today. Proton. Medicaid Click is coming. Where is he? Did you email it to him? Did you, you emailed it? Send it on WhatsApp. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Proton therapy. Now listen to this. It's a type of, it's proton radiotherapy, a type of particle therapy that uses a beam of protons to irradiate diseased tissue, most often to treat cancer. So radiation therapy is essentially the same thing as an x-ray, but obviously much different um, in its direction and everything. The chief advantage of proton therapy over other types of external beam radiotherapy is that the dose of protons is deposited over a narrow range of depth, hence in minimal entry and exit. Okay? It doesn't scatter around the radiation like the other one may. When evaluating whether to treat a tumor with a photon or proton therapy, physicians may choose proton therapy if it's important to deliver a higher radiation dose to a targeted tissue. Now, sometimes they don't choose that because if it's not very clear where the cancerous tissue is, they want to get that and the areas around it. Okay? So they don't want to do that. They want to get a little bit more of a bigger radius. The American Society for Radiation Oncology says that proton therapy is considered reasonable if sparing the surrounding normal tissue cannot be adequately achieved with photon-based radiotherapy. I need to know how the, the, the beam is like turned off, then turned on. Proton therapy is a type of external beam radiotherapy that uses ionizing radiation. In proton therapy, medical personnel use a particle accelerator. There it is. Well, you just give it a name. 
does not explain anything. Particle exterity to target a tumor with a beam of protons. These charged particles damage the DNA of the cells, killing them and stopping their reproduction and thus eliminating the tumor. Cancerous cells are particularly vulnerable to attack on DNA because of their high rate of division and their limited ability to repair DNA damage. Some cancers with specific DNA repair, uh, sorry, specific defects in DNA repair may be more sensitive. All right, this highly conformal beam delivering radiation that conforms to the shape and the depth of the tumor. Wow, that is something else, subhanAllah. It conforms to the shape and the depth of the tumor and it spares the surrounding normal tissue. It's literally like going into a software and highlighting the color of the tumor then hitting delete. Like imagine you have all the cells are blue and the tumor's yellow. You're able to highlight the color. You ever use... uh, you know, GIMP. What's the other one? Adobe Illustrator, right? You can highlight a color and then hit delete. That's exactly what this thing does. For example, when comparing proton therapy to the most advanced types of photon therapy and volume, volumetric modulated arc therapy, proton therapy can give similar high radiation doses. Okay. But 50 to 60% lower total body radiation. So you, don't, you, you don't want radiation to your whole body. It's not good for you, just for the tumor. Protons can focus energy delivery to fit the tumor shape, delivering only low-dose radiation to surrounding tissue. As a result, there are fewer side effects. All protons of a given energy have a certain penetration range. Like, how do they do it, though? How do they shape it? How do they make it the same shape and depth and then only turn it on when it hits that area? Still haven't been explained to me. Okay. All right. What kind of machine do they use? Equipment? A whole bunch of, you know, other stuff. But it still doesn't give me... It doesn't give me the way in which they they, they do it. Okay. And I need to know how they do it. I need to know how they do it. How does it work? All right. How works proton therapy? Like, how does that? So they described it. But I need to, I'm curious about how the beam works. How do they physically get it to do it? It looks like offline, I'm going to have to do a lot of reading. All right. All right, it's the protons are separated from hydrogen atoms and sped up in a particular accelerator. Gibberish. So does that mean that they get it, they target it, then they they turn it on? Okay, let's take a look at this picture here. Conventional radiation therapy, it's one dose. It's one uh, dose. Okay, but in targeted proton therapy, it enters at a certain level, increases when it hits the tumor, and exits at a lower level again so that the skin doesn't get hurt. It looks like we're going to have to do offline reading here because um, there, there are a lot of websites that are telling us how it works. What they're telling us, they're describing it, but how do they get the technology to do what, what it's doing? It's amazing. Okay, 
And this here's a good website, Texas Center for Proton Therapy. I'm going to read it. But first, ladies and gentlemen, we got another segment to you here. And we got in the big rig. Let's bring him on. Can you hear us? All right. Wa'alaikum wassalam. The TikTok champ is here. Madaki Click in the big rig. Going from the south over to California, and he's wearing what are you wearing? Angels jersey or what? Oh, this is a uh, black cat. Who are black they? Black cat jersey. Who? Or what, no, it's what, like a, it, no, it's a clothing brand. It's a clothing brand. Oh, it's not. It's not a team. Okay. No, 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 no. Al Hirra to Soda. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so where 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 are you right now? I uh, just passed Amarillo, Texas. Uh, I, I cleared Oklahoma. I'm about to go enter into New Mexico right in about an hour or so. So you went west so, straight uh, from Oklahoma past Texas. Yeah, went all the way, drove past Oklahoma this morning, and then just I'm in Texas right now, but I'm about to enter New Mexico right now. You got about me looking hour. at the map. I got to look at the map because that part of the, the that part of the town. Okay, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City. And then go go west on forty. Okay, uh, and then you hit. Oh, so you're actually spending a lot of time in Texas. Not not too much. I can get through Texas in about three and a half hours, and yeah. then go into New Mexico and pass through Albuquerque. And I'm driving to Arizona. I'm not stopping until I get to the border of Arizona. So wow. Yeah, well, how I long clear is about that? Six hundred and fifty. I, I clear about six hundred and fifty to seven hundred miles a day. So. That's roughly eleven hours of driving every day. Wow! So you're you're hitting. I I see here where you are. You're on Route Forty. Route Forty. Yeah, I'm uh, fifty-one miles away from Tucum, Tucumcari, New Mexico. So I'm almost to the border. Okay. Why didn't you take? Why didn't you take um, two seventy up that no. way? Why didn't you take two seventy? No, Forty. For uh, as a truck. Oh, that stinks because that means you can't take the hypotenuse. No. You got to take... No, you, gotta, gotta... A, you guys remember A squared plus B squared equals C squared, the right angle? So he's got to drive straight and then up. He's got to take A and B. He can't take the hypotenuse, which is Route 270 from Oklahoma City. That can take you really almost... You don't have to go to Texas. It'll 270. You could take you straight to Colorado. Well, I'm not good. That Colorado's way too north of where I want to go. So I'm I'm going to end up in southeast California, uh, Rancho Cucamonga, basically. Oh, that makes sense now to take the 40. Now I understand. Yo, I'm giving yeah. fatwa on cancer. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving fatwa on maps of the southeast, right? And tr- <laughs> okay. and truck driving too. Don't forget trucking. <laughs> Now, uh, now, what? Who are you driving for? Tesla, SpaceX? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I, 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 drive, I signed an NDA, so I can't really say who I drove, drive for. But I got about twenty thousand pounds of furniture in my fifty-three foot trailer. So. Okay, because you know you, you used to have that, uh, that, that gorgeous truck for SpaceX. Oh no, no, no! I got an even better one. I have about forty-five thousand miles, and I'm driving a two, uh, twenty twenty-three, brand wow. new. Kenworth T680. It's, That's gorgeous. I'm, that is I'm, gorgeous. I'm passing, I'm passing people up all the time. That is nice. I got microwave. I got refrigerator. I got bed, everything. 
Musalla. Oh yeah. Bathroom. A bathroom? No, no. That's the, no still bathroom. have to stop at the truck stops. No bathroom. You know, honestly, it's sunny. You're going to drive through the desert today, and yes. the sun's going to be in your face all day long. And this Route 40 takes yeah. you straight there, right? Straight there. I, one turn, literally one turn yeah. on 15. I'll drop down south to 15 south at Barstow, and uh-huh. just all the way down to Rancho Cucamonga. I see it here. I see it here. You're going to turn left on 15. You're literally not going to hit a traffic light for, like, the whole day, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it says 550 miles yeah. until I get on the 15. So. Rancho Cucamonga, uh, which is right next to Ontario, California, and it is basically probably yes, sir. another half a day to L.A., Los Angeles, right? No, no, okay. no, no, no. I'm maybe an hour and a half away from L.A. Once you get to Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, okay, okay, good. So you're you're an hour and a half from L.A. It's Rancho Cucamonga. What about, is that? What what is 40, that? About forty five minutes. About forty five minutes away from Compton. So I'm not all the way. So uh, yeah, mm. Rancho Cucamonga is just like a a, a hub for uh, industry. So it's it's pretty nice area. Okay, why do they call it? What what is that? Spanish for something? La Cucaracha. Yeah, <laughs> Cucamonga. I have no idea. Rancho like is like a big, ranch, so. a, a big cockroach or something. Humongous. Yeah, I grew cockroach. up in Cal- I, I grew up in uh, Southern California, so you, you to graduate from high school, you must take two semesters of Spanish. Yeah, I forgot it already. That was ages ago. Oh so. man. Yeah. All right. Let us talk about your life on TikTok. What is going on? There's so many shahadas now taking. I see you. Giving. I've been on TikTok. I've been I've been on TikTok for ten months. Okay. And in that time, I have uh, done about five shahadas. Unbelievable. And um, you know, just like everybody else, I used to make fun of people that went on TikTok. I was like, why? Why do yep. you even go on TikTok? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. You know. And so I went on, and uh, I had like three people following me. Yep. And I did a video. I did a video, and my first video went viral and got five million views. And, you know, what, three months later, I had 326,000 people following me. SubhanAllah. And, and, you know, it just, I just, I kind of had to take TikTok serious from that point. Yep. Because there was so, so many people would, you know, DM me, you know, I really like your videos. You know, now I'm, because of your videos, talking about the, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, I've, I've been in the club for 10 years. I have a girlfriend. I'm doing this and that. But I'm seeing the mercy that you're talking about that Allah, you know, in Allah Rahim and Al Afu and and all of these things, your videos are making me. I just returned to my prayer after five years. That's amazing. And and then and then when I start getting messages like that, I was like, okay, this is very very serious now. I yeah. have to watch what I say. I have to really be intentional. Yeah. You know, people are noticing me in the local masjid in Oklahoma City, wanting to take pictures and everything. I'm like. No man, I'm, you know, I'm I'm nobody. So so this is actually very uh, the amazing thing about uh, doing dawah is that the f- greatest beneficiary is the dai himself. In a sense, he's in the greatest danger, but he's also the greatest beneficiary because now you're forced. You got people relying on you, right? You're forced to read up. You're forced to uh, to 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 figure out how to elocute what you're reading. Secondly, you're also um, you're forced to live it now. 
or else you feel like a fraud, right? You feel like a munafiq. And that's one of the great things a scholar Absolutely. said. He said, give dawah. And someone said, oh, I don't want to. Uh, uh, what if I don't act upon it? You're going to feel so bad, so miserable. Such You feel like a munafiq if you do one minor yeah. thing wrong. And yet you call people to Allah. So you have to get rid of one thing, either the dawah or my bad deeds. I got to get rid of one, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so don't That's, get rid of the and, dawah. And I, I even did a video about that. I'm just like, you know, if you think you're just a Muslim, you're Joe Schmo walking down the street, do you know that the whole world is looking at you and, look, you know, listening to you? Everybody is a da'i, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it could be the reason why people hate Islam and despise yeah. it. Or love it because of, the, of, of what it does in your life. So yeah. I tell people, like, you know, as soon as you go out of your house, well, really in your house, too, with your family, but especially when you go out to your house, to the gas station, to the grocery store, I don't care where you're going, lights, camera, action, the world is looking at you 100%. 110%. And, and, and you got to be on your best behavior. Like I said, a lot of people are just waiting for you to, oh, yeah, see, this is... This is Islam. The guy cussed me yep. out because, yep. you know, he, he, you know, I cut in front of him and he cussed me out. This is Islam. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's it. And that could be the only opportunity that that person has yep. to see what Islam is and what it is. So you're on. Lights, camera, action. That's all it is. And, and uh, it's like that all the time when you're a minority. And especially where you are, there's not a lot of Muslims, right? Whereas... No. Let's say in central Jersey where we live, there would be so many Muslims that it may be diluted. The fact that a person may, a non-Muslim may know 15 Muslims, right? So one jerk is not going to sway the, the, the balance, right? But in places like the Midwest, uh, La Cucaracha, where you're going, all these places, they aren't going to have a lot of Muslims to the point that you may be the only one that they know. So 100% of the impression is upon each and in every individual there. And the thing is that what is it that people around us are allowed to hate and what is not a justifiable hate? For, so, for example, the way I look at it is like this. If they hate the concept that we're talking about, I can't do anything about that, right? That's evil on your side. If they hate the way I'm speaking, that's subjective, right? It's subjective. But if, if I actually behave, misbehave and they hate me because of that, right then that's on me so yeah. it's it's really three parts one of them you're innocent the other one fine because if we express our religion and someone hates it what you've done is shine a flashlight on the reality of that person right so right. you've done us all a favor because now we know where they stand but if they hate yeah. it because we acted like jerks and there are many cases where muslims act like jerks, get hated upon, and then say, hey, it's Islamophobia. No, it's not Islamophobia. You, you were the one who misbehaved, right? Now, tell us a story. Tell us one about one of the shahadas. I heard there was a priest. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. What is yeah, that all so, about? I never heard about so, it. So, so once again, you yeah. know, this, this guy, I, you know, at the, at the beginning of it, this guy says, he comes on my live stream. You know, I'm just on live and talking about Islam and taking questions and stuff like that. And he says, you know, he starts out with, you know, I've been watching you for a while. Mm. And that's my point. That's my point right there. I don't know who this guy is. I yeah. never met him in my life. And his first words out of his mouth was, 
you know, I've been watching you for a while. SubhanAllah. And Islam has always been at the back of my mind. I was a voodoo priest. I was a Christian pastor. I was the that guy's name is Rob. Him and I talk almost twice a week. SubhanAllah. And um, so he's like, you know, I was a voodoo priest. I was a Christian. But, but Islam has always been at the back of my mind. But the, the only reason I kept, I kept on getting whispers. Hmm. You know, Islam is too strict. Islam is too strict. Look at the Muslims. He was talking about the, you know, you know who I'm going to say, the Salafi types. They're, they're too strict. And, you know, I, I don't want to dress like uh, Lawrence of Arabia or something. I want to maintain my, my, my culture, you know, because I'm an American. But I saw your videos mm. and I just kept on watching all of your videos. Literally, wow. I've watched all of your videos to see if you were a fraud. Mm. I watched all I watched all your videos to see if you slipped up. Amazing. And I didn't see anything. So I'm here today and I'm wondering if you would walk me through my shahada. SubhanAllah. And I was I like, I, I, I got emotional. You know, I was like, SubhanAllah, why me? This is like the fifth time. This is my last shahada. SubhanAllah. And uh, like, why is Allah honoring me with this? I'm just some... Subhanallah. No, no, a Muslim amongst the Muslimin, you know, doing the best that I can on, you know, a stupid, you know, TikTok. Yeah, so that's amazing. He took a, he took a shahada right there. Subhanallah, it's unreal. And 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 the beauty of our life right now, what's happening is that um, the way that Islam is going to take a foothold in the United States is by exactly like this, just yeah. hundreds upon thousands of of regular people giving it their best shot, right? And that's and people can give it their best shot the way you did. Other people will give it their best shot as a nurse in a hospital that we never hear about. Others will give it a best shot as a babysitter. It's just be yourself as a good Muslim, and that's it. Whether you give it, giving dawah explicitly, it's the highest honor, I would say. Imam al-Haddad said the highest, what the maqam, the one deed that only that all messengers did, was dawah, open dawah, right? So it's the, it's the highest action that we could possibly take. Um, but everyone's going to give thing. it their best shot in different ways. Here's the thing. Hmm. His father took a shahada a week after. Unbelievable. So now you have For a tree. Him. You have a tree. SubhanAllah. <laughs> And his sister is interested about Islam, and his brother is interested about Islam too. I'm like, what about the kids? Does he have he kids? Have any. So if he's a pastor and all that, he's a talker and he's a speaker. He may eventually learn a few things, and become his own day. He's in your class. He's in your class. I sent him straight to you. Allahu Akbar. I'll go, I'm going to look yeah. for him then. I'm going to look for him. That's yeah, great. Rob, it, Do you know what class he's interested in taking? He is, well, he's in the Akita class right now. He told me he's in the Akita and he Excellent. wants to learn Maliki Fiqh. Amazing, amazing, amazing. SubhanAllah. We're going to look out. We're going to give him special treatment. Where is he, what state is he from? He was, he's, well, he's living in North Dakota. He's from the East Coast, from uh, New York. But he moved out to North Dakota to be with his dad. And he had a new job and everything. And he's, he's all about the Tahajjud. He's making videos back to back about Tahajjud, Tahajjud, Tahajjud. You got to wake oh. up for Tahajjud. So. Amazing. You know, some somebody asked me the other day uh, when we had um, uh, our friend. What's uh, uh, Jan? When we had Jan on, they said, "Should you be encouraging this young man 
to make videos on YouTube. And I said, yeah, I should encourage him within the, the, the lanes that we all observe, right? Why? Because sometimes when a person goes out there on YouTube and talks, Jan is there and he's listening, right? You're, you are basically imprinting it on your own heart first before yeah. anyone else is listening. So one of the ways in which Allah strengthens a person is he makes them talk about it. Right, make them talk about it, and the only thing we just got to make sure what we're saying is accurate, right? And we understand that that we have to be very cautious when we talk about um, when we talk about the law and the doctrine. We got to be very careful. We also got to be very careful not to cause mischief amongst the ummah, fitna, we call. But other than that, if we're just person talking about tahajjud, another person talking about you know what his video on you know what is meditation, what is Islamic rules on meditation. Like, as long as we, we're in those confines, we're all encouraged. If we know something, to talk about it, right? And there does come with it, you know, some kind of uh, response, spiritual responsibility, humility. Because you become very big and famous, you got to humble yourself, right? But sometimes some people need to talk about something to imprint it upon themselves, okay? Yeah. And that's one of the wisdoms. And I remember one story of Abu Tawbah, if you remember him. Abu Tawbah became Muslim in, in, in the military. He said this himself on a, on a live stream one time. He said, I became Muslim in the military. And he had heard about Salah, right? But he's like, oh, I'll do that later, right? It's like, oh, five times a day prayer. How am I going to pray in the military? I'll do that later. He said, until one day a, a guy comes up to me and he says, hey, are you a Muslim? He said, yeah. He said, can you show me how to pray? Because I need to pray. And he said that he was still young and has a little bit of an ego. So he's like, yeah, I'll show you how to pray. This is what you do. Okay. And he starts telling him everything he knows how to pray. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. Okay. And the next, immediately right after seeing that man, he ran to the musalla to get that little piece of paper that teaches you how to pray so that he could see him the next day. He said, I never saw this guy again. SubhanAllah. And we're in like a camp. You know, these military camps, nobody comes in and out. Yeah. Jesus, subhanAllah, maybe Allah sent, created, had an angel come in a form to get me to talk about salah and take leadership yeah. in how to pray because it really imprinted it upon himself. Right. right? It's amazing. Okay. What, what is the main theme of what you say in TikTok? The main thing of, uh, I, I made it very clear because as soon as I came on, everybody knows I'm a, I'm born and raised in America, California, uh, ex-military, ex-Christian. And so as soon as I came on and I'd start talking about Islam, the, 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 lo the love of the Christians arrived to my, uh, mm. to my, to, to my site. And they'd be, oh, you're a traitor. You're this, you're that. You're a race traitor. You're a traitor to your religion, your country. And so... I have my, a little month where I just put down the Christians, me, put, put down meaning I used the Bible against them, and I basically destroyed them, and those videos went viral as well. SubhanAllah. And, and uh, because it, this is the thing. Christians, they, they, they try to give dawah to you without knowing your position. They, yep. they, they want to they wanna debate you with, without knowing what Islam is. Mm -hmm. You think that I worship the moon, right? Okay, so... What is there for you and I to talk about? If you yeah. believe that I worship the moon or the devil and, and, and that the, the Quran is from, you know, a, a demon or whatever, like whatever you say, mm -hmm. you and I can't talk. We can't have a conversation. Yeah. So 
in Dawa, I see that that's that's very important because you can waste as much time as as you'll give these people. For me, Dawa is offensive. I don't have time mm-hmm. to go back to the to the uh, regurgitated Islamophobic type of information misinformation that you have. Yeah. I don't have time. Yeah. And, so, and it's in logic. This is called the the step one of logic. Is called tasawur or conceptualization. Like mm. you got to get the concepts right. Right. Yeah, so my whole thing, you asked, I answered the question. My whole thing is I came to TikTok not to call people to Islam. I make it very clear in a lot of my videos. I am, I want to bring people back to Islam. The one that is watching my videos and he's has a drink in his hand. The, the, the one that hasn't prayed in a long time and thinks that he's gone too far. Mm-hmm. You know, Allah would never forgive me because, but bro, you don't know what I've done. So that's, I, I made it very clear that that's my focus. But mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, the, the, you know, the, the bonus has been, I've been bringing people to Islam as well, just Subhan. by Subhan. my videos. Subhan. So th- the thing is in America, especially amongst my people, uh, wh- white Americans is, look, they don't know who we are. They have no idea. The only thing, the only way that they learn about us is the news, yeah. the, the misinformation, the movies, and everything. We have no Cosby show where mm-hmm. they can turn on their television set and we can go into their living rooms yep. and tell them and show them who we are. We have no show. We have no Cosby show. Yep. And I've always said that. We, we need to humanize ourselves because they have so much misinformation. And that's why I say it. Yeah, you know, it, you are the TV show. You mm-hmm. are the dawah. People yeah. always ask me, "Oh, brother, I have a, a a coworker that's interested in Islam. What book should I recommend to them?" You're the book. Yeah, Subhanallah. You're Subhanallah. the book. That's I, I always say that. You're the book. You're the mm-hmm. book. What you say, how you deal with people. Do you go home early from work and cheat? And you know, and and what you're doing at work. Do you? They're watching. Everybody is watching, and and. You have to take it serious wherever mm-hmm. you are. Like I said, lights, camera, action. People are looking at you. Yep. And you can be the reason why people love Islam or they say, man, forget that, man. No, yeah. No way. And 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 you got to pe- realize people are more fickle and touchy than we imagine them to be. Uh, we yep. may say that, you know, like if I'm walking and I see a neighbor that, no, I'm not legally responsible for waving at like we can get legalistic like that, but people aren't like that. They'll be just like, "Oh, this guy passes by and never says hello." Right? That's it. And you're like, "Hold on, that's not a that's not a valid reason to not like somebody." Yeah, but you're assuming, you're projecting your legal knowledge upon a person who doesn't have that. They may just view it the fact that you weren't nice. That's it. And how many times is it the opposite? Where uh, I've had people attending the cla- uh, a lecture. And just being nice to them before or after the lecture, and then later on discovering they didn't understand a thing, right? But they came away happy after the lecture, and ba- just based on the questions they ask or the things they talk about, I know that they didn't get a thing. But just the fact that you were nice to them before or after, whenever you talked, or that you accepted them, you know, talking and giving their commentary—that's all that matters. And that's why when. There's even a hadith, like, the, 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 this deen is akhlaq. Akhlaq is the highest 
it's the, really the result of truly understanding the deen. Your Islam shows up in your mannerisms or mm -hmm. it doesn't. Period. Yeah. That's it, subhanAllah. Period. Even within Muslims, you know, your manners with other Muslims, it shows up. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you have a lot of knowledge, but you, if you treat people like trash, okay, so your knowledge didn't do much then. Exactly. It's not doing anything. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And, and we have a concept in Islam of someone whose knowledge didn't benefit him. Right? Like they're the, mm. the first people in hell, the, the, the skull who's knowledge didn't benefit And I'm like sometimes dealing every once in a while someone tells me about a group of people that have so much knowledge. But all they do is shred other Muslims. Any Muslims trying to do something, they'll find something. Even one of them said to me that he got shredded for wearing a Western shirt, right? And I'm like, what, what world are people living in? Seriously, what world are people living in? That, you're, that your knowledge has caused you to, uh, to, to, to reach that point. Then something's wrong with your knowledge. You have facts at that point, but you haven't understood. You may have knowledge, but you don't have understanding. And there's a big difference between knowledge and understanding. Right. Understanding is knowing where to put something. Right. What is the right and this, application? And, and this is the reason why a lot of people that are non-Muslim, they look at that group that you're talking about from the outside and say, just like Rob, Rob knew about that group that you're talking about before yep. he even became a Muslim. SubhanAllah. That's bad. They're infamous. That was the reason he told me that was the we talked later. He said that was the reason why I mm, Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Subhanallah. I don't want to be with them. I don't yeah. want to be with them. Yeah. So I said, no, no, no. Let, let me show you a little bit. And, yeah. and, and he was he was good to go. So, and I'm, I'm a big believer in when it comes to Dawah, stripping down all the things that are unnecessary for a person to enter Islam. So, for hmm. example, if I was to give Dawah. I would, uh, and it's just purely dawah. Then, you want to try to show them that uh, certain things that we may do are not necessary. And what's the proof of this? Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, he knew the Prophet wore a ring on his right hand. He put it on his left hand. Uh, believed that Sayyidina Uthman, what was it? Um, I think he shortened Fajr a couple times when it was the sunnah for the Prophet to lengthen Fajr. The, the Prophet wore a certain type of sandal that everyone else was wearing. He wore a different type of sandal. And people said, oh, Uthman, the Prophet passed on. Now you became the Khalifa. And now we don't see you following the sunnah anymore. You took off your ring. You put on a different finger. You do things, everything. He says, I'm doing this on purpose so people know the difference between a fard and a sunnah. Right? So in order, so that's why it seems that the appearance is also important. To the, the person like Rob is like seeing a certain type of ethnic dress maybe and he's saying, assuming, oh, that's part of Islam too? Well, you got to sometimes demonstrate that it's not. And that's what Sayyidina Uthman was doing to the new tabi'in. He was showing them the difference. Said, this is also allowed by, by physically doing it himself. And that I think is extremely important in the realm of da'wah that we separate that, yes, sometimes dressing with the sunnah is, is a wonderful thing. And also at another time, the prophet was, you couldn't tell the difference between the prophet and others, right? Yeah. So, so that to tear down these misconceptions or p potential barriers between someone entering Islam. And that's what I see you doing uh, on TikTok. When I went through your, the other day, your TikTok, I can't remember who sent me something. And I'm like, 
this cap collection is something else, right? Yeah, I'm 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 around I'm right around fifty right now. So yeah, yeah, uh, fifty caps. Yeah. <laughs> so th- so that's the idea. Caps. Yeah. So that's the idea where it's. I think appearance is also very important, and that's why the Muslim Cowboys doing the same thing, right? He's coming out, um, you know, in a regular appearance for the sake of separating. Not you're not giving anything up. You're not um, sort of capitulating. You're showing through demonstration that you can be a Muslim and dress normally because the dress part, it's a bigger deal than people imagine it to be, right? And With it's white a, people especially. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's a bigger hassle. Like, there's no way I'm showing up at my parents' house with this. There's no way I'm showing up walking around to work like this. And he may imagine that. So we have to almost uh, try to think of what the person, what's what's going on in the person's mind ahead of us, uh, in front of us, which is exactly why the best people to give dawah are their own people. Right? right? They know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what. If I go give dawah to an Egyptian, I know it exactly. I have to, have to. If you're going to give dawah to an Egyptian and you're serious, you really want it to be effective, you need to wear a suit, right? right? No kufi. The moment you put on, don any religious clothing, uh, half of the people are going to shut up. That's why Amr Khaled was so successful. I so remember him. I, I, I watched him on uh, Egyptian television when I lived there in Alexandria. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ulama were saying, like, how is it that this man became so successful? Well, he's just like one of the, one of the people. That's all. Right. Yep. So dawah is different than seeking knowledge. Seeking knowledge has sanctity to it. It has every the student comes to you. You don't compromise one bit. But dawah is the opposite. You are going to them and you have to speak to them in their language and their image. Uh let's talk about reactions now. Uh a lot of a lot of um negative reactions from Christians, but yet also on your page a lot of positive reactions too from these really you know people that absolute strangers but a lot of positive reactions do you see a lot of people besides after rob uh, also uh, you know saying giving comments about discovering islam for the first time or changing their perspective well, on it i i get a lot of people that are in the background i'm i'm <laughs> i get up in the morning and i i see that there's a hundred plus messages in my Subhan. emails Subhan. in my dms in my twitter and i'm just like overwhelmed Subhan. you know the, so the most reaction that i get is from white people that are asking that that feel comfortable with me you're an american right mm-hmm. yes you're, you're i heard that you're uh, norwegian uh, ancestry yes i uh, heard that you were ex-christian that you're ex-military you're this you're that yes 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 okay I want to ask you a question about Islam. So is it true that that's what they always start off with? Is it true that this, is it true that that do y'all do this? Do y'all do that? And it's my opportunity as a fellow American, as a fellow soldier, maybe that I'm speaking to as a fellow Christian, ex-Christian to answer the questions that they don't have the guts to ask. Maybe you, Dr. Shadi, mm-hmm. or their Pakistani uh, co-worker that they work with, that they, they didn't want to speak to. There was a, what, when I lived in Colorado, there was this guy, this is a short story, I just tell you, you don't have time? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. When I used to come in to the office, 
first thing, mad dog me. Just mad dog me the whole time. Just looked at me like that. And who? Finally, a week, a coworker. A coworker. Okay. He knew he knew my name was Ali because I changed my name legally to Ali like 1995. Okay. Of course, everything. Uh huh. So he knew that I was the the enemy, you know, and I, you know whatever. So he mad dogged me for a week, and mm. I, I'm not afraid of anybody. So I I just went up to him and I said, his name was uh, Ken. I said, hey Ken, I just my name's Ali. We haven't been properly introduced. I saw it as an opportunity. I said, uh, I just want to let you know that you probably know that I'm a Muslim, but I want to also let you know that you can ask me any question that you want about Islam. SubhanAllah. And, and here's the caveat. I'm not going to be, I have very tough skin. Ask me whatever you want. Come with all your misconceptions, all of your, you know, Chuck Norris movies and whatever mm -hmm. you, you come with. And he said, really? Because you're not going to like what I say. I said, <laughs> no, uh, Ken, I, I've, I have heard everything that you're going to say before yeah. tens and thousands of times feel comfortable with me asking me anything you want long story short we met out in the parking lot and it was kind of tense after work and he fired away do you worship the moon do you want to kill all of us christians do you want to take over america all of the questions that they're force-fed garbage yeah in the in the social media yeah. but i always tell muslims you have to answer these questions. You have to. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can't be offended because this is what they think. They think we worship the moon, for God's sakes. A lot Let's of the evangelical churches are the sources of all this stuff. Right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, we talked for uh, a few days after work. And you could just see the this look turned to... And it just changed. And he said, you know, at, at the end of the third day, he said, you know what, Ali... You're all right in my book, man. And, I, and, and, if in, and here's the thing. This is what he said. And if any of my people come to me and talk in that ah, blah, blah, moon god type of stuff, I'm going to tell them that they're wrong. Yeah. I know a Muslim. His name is Ali. And he Love. told me ABC and XYZ. SubhanAllah. We're at work every day. That's what I'm yeah. saying. We're lights, camera, action every day. Yeah. That's that's our future here in the, in the in the, the way we're going to get Islam grounded in England and America is it's literally one interaction at a time, right? And one interaction snowballs into two, into three, into four, and that person is going to go live and interact with people. And one human interaction probably is worth a hundred thousand marketing hours, right? I mean, think about the amount of money spent to create a boogeyman. And how it was undone on one transaction, one interaction. The amount of money spent created, right, to create this massive boogie, boogeyman uh, called Muslims, in one, two, three interactions, it's gone, right? And so. I don't pay anything for TikTok. I don't pay anything for TikTok. And they, they spend trillions of dollars throughout the decades. I don't pay one penny for TikTok. And still the Christians come to me every day asking questions every day. I don't do anything. SubhanAllah. Uh, all right. What else do you want to tell people out there who want to sort of re be start doing dawah themselves? What What's your advice to them? <laughs> Number one, like I always say, I always send them to Safina Society to Arcview.org. Uh, every single shahada that I have made on on TikTok, I always tell them you got to get educated. Okay, there's only so much that you can do. 
you tell your story, you're, you know, oh, I, you know, I was a Christian, I was a Jew, and then I became, okay, what's after that? Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, what I see, a lot of uh, reverts, they spin their wheels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my life now is I don't eat pork, I pray five times a day, I fast in the Ramadan, uh, you know, 10,000 people are offering to pay for me to go to Hajj, and mm-hmm. that's my life. Well, if you want to be a da'i, and not even a da'i, if you want to be a regular person that has a good, uh, that makes Islam look good and the other Muslims look good, you have to be educated. 100%. So number one, what I say, I, I scream it in my videos over and over and over, Aqidah, 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 learn your Aqidah, because Aqidah, we live in the time of total chaos and confusion. Yep. Okay. And we live in a time of misinformation and information, but even yep. more misinformation. So the filter to all of those groups within mm-hmm. Islam, the deviants in Islam, the, all the garbage that you're going to hear, that they're going to wrap Islam around it and call it Islam. Mm-hmm. Aqidah is the filter to all of that. All yeah. of it. So if you don't have Aqidah, please don't be a da'i. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. you're a Maturidi or uh, the real Athari creed, Hanbali creed, or like, uh, like I am, uh, Ashari, learn one of the creeds and... Uh, and, and, and I would say after that, you know, you learn your fiqh, but after that, when you really want to do something and go on the path and make da'wah, mm-hmm. be intentional. Yeah. Be intentional. If, if, if you think, oh, a lot of people are following me now. Oh, I'm getting all this attention that I, I, I didn't. You're not doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Every, t- every time that I do a video, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to edit videos. I wish mm-hmm. I did. I wish they would look way better and you know be way better but i i decide before you know what do i want to talk about is it good does do i really need to say this mm-hmm. and if it's really on my heart i'll make a short dua and i press record and i come from here right from the heart Subhan. period so uh, uh, i would just say yeah go ahead and it's a great point that when you talked about aqidah because we underestimate the amount of uh back and forth argumentation that has to go on in a lot of people's mind and what people when they talk about aqidah and they say it's irrelevant what they mean is the debates of the past and that's why i'm a, really a big fan of uh, what sheikh hamza karamali has done recently of talking about kalam 3.0 and he said the first argumentation was uh with the jahidi arabs of their time the second level of argumentation came uh in the middle period with with their own misconceptions that they had at that time and then in in our time now we need a whole different it's a whole different set of arguments against us right or confusions or debates and he said this is the kalam that really no two muslims are going to disagree that we need these right we're really going to need these to answer this and that's why um there is a concept of being on the cutting edge, right? Being, talking about things that are relevant versus talking about things and having party lines from the past, right? And whoever does what's relevant is the one who's going to advance. And that's why I highly recommend everyone take his class. Uh, hey, Omar, is it is it a pre-recorded class that people can take or is it just live seminars? I was actually looking into it. And what's the website called? BasiraEducation.org. Sheikh Hamza Karamali is talking about things that are effective now, that are relevant right now, 
right? That Muslims are asking today. Muslims are asking what you know. What is our position on love and sexuality? They're not asking about uh, is the universe eternal. Okay, they're not asking those questions. Nobody cares about those questions. What they care about, what's truly affecting somebody, are these questions now that I think Muslims and Da'is. Uh, if Jan is listening, all those other days that are listening, this is the class you got to take. Basira education with Hamza Karamali, uh, two-day training intensive, and he's going to go into all the issues that are happening right now, and he answers them, okay? Uh, existence of God has is one of those that carried over, right? It's still something that people talk about. How can God exist if? How can God exist if this or if that? So I highly recommend that for everybody um, uh, to start studying this, Sheikh Yasser Qadi is also someone who advocates the concept of today's questions first. Okay, past questions we discuss them, you know, off offline, and they're they're not relevant. No one's changing. No one's changing their opinions on past questions, except you know sometimes, rarely it happens. But it's not what's what's important. What's important are the questions that you're getting from the people out there. And so that's what's important. And what you're uh, doing is amazing work. And you are, inshallah, officially. He, we have a TikTok correspondent, folks. Uh, the yes. uh, TikTok Dawa correspondent, because we, we need to be on the, the pulse of what's happening. And that is important. Uh, in the world of Dawa, you can't be in a cave and you can't say, I'm not going to uh, talk to people. You got to know what's happening. And for everybody out there, this is one of our filters. Maliki Click is one of our filters uh, to uh, what's happening and give us an update. So thank you for your coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, as always. Inshallah. So we'll do it again every once in a while to get the, the latest updates on new shahadas on TikTok, new questions of Dawah. And maybe I think that's what our target will be in the future. Anytime that you get a new question that you haven't received or repeatedly you're getting the same questions. So the misconceptions that people are having, we need to know what those misconceptions are, right? And you being on the front line with, uh, with that, you can come on, inshallah, and um, get us updated on what people are thinking out there and how you responded. Muslims don't even know what to think. There's, I get those, another, you know, yep. a, a lot of questions like, uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing that there's different versions of the Quran, Hafs and Warsh, and I'm just like, Subhanallah. Yeah. This has been this has been answered so many times. Yeah. This is not version. This is styles of recitation. And yeah. But these people are just pumping it, pumping. But it was a pleasure being yeah. on your show, Dr. Saudi. I appreciate you for having me. Exactly. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. We'll see you again soon, inshallah. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Jazakallah khair. There you have it, folks. There is our um, uh, a TikTok update, and that's our. Um, TikTok correspondent, because we need to know. We need to be updated. We need to have our finger and our hand on the pulse. Um, really important for us to be here and to be doing this. So the number of people attending, entering Islam, it's just, it's an insane number. I don't know of any day, to be honest with you, okay, who doesn't tell me the same thing, who doesn't tell me, that, uh, oh, the, 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 there's four shahadas in the last month, three shahadas in the last week. It's insane what's going on. Let's go to the Q&A, and let's first um, 
uh, talk about one more thing. And this is have to do with the past, but it also has to do with um, the Ash'ari methodology is what Sheikh Hamza Karamali utilizes here. That's what's important, the methodology, not the sub-issues. But we did have a young da'iya, Salafi da'i from Morocco, apparently British, go on to Speaker's Corner. Huh? Everyone knows this guy. Shemsi, is, he calls himself. Or that's his name, okay? His name, yeah. And released a video, which I just said, what comedy is this? In which he stated that, listen to, listen to this, okay? Everything about to be said, the opposite is true. It's hilarious. Get him a cough drop first. I mean, he's he's passionate guy. He loves Islam. But his research is off. Uh, there's no doubt the man loves Islam. The man loves the deen. The man sacrifices a lot of his time, his effort. He's bold. And he, and he loves the deen. There's a good qualities in the man, right? There's no doubt about that. And he knows things. He's not, he's not totally jihad. On this, though, he's very jihad, I have to say. Okay. It's not, it's not working. Maybe, maybe there's a sign for us not to do it. But in any event, he basically said that Asha'ira, you know what they believe? They believe the earth is eternal. The universe is eternal. What are you talking about? It's not exact, not at all. Okay. Not at all is that the case. And then he said something else totally false about the Asha'ira. He said that they hold, what is they? They hold that Allah's, um, I, I don't even know. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, like, it's interesting what he said because basically uh, he said that the Asha'ira, they say that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, he exists outside of the universe. Yeah. So I think that's what he was claiming against us. But when we say, this is an important thing that we have to discuss. When we say outside, it's a metaphysical outside. It's not like a. It's transcendent reality. beyond. Outside does not mean literally outside. Correct. As in location. Yeah. So, first of all, his soul is off right there. That's yeah. one thing he made a mistake in. So he says, oh, you believe outside is a location or whatever, outside of the universe. I don't even understand what it, he's trying it, to say. We don't even say, they say, is uh, God external to or internal to the universe? We say neither, because both imply a space. That's why they say, not muttasil nor munfasil. Not connected nor disconnected. Both imply a space. We say he is transcendent beyond space. So um, I see these guys in the West, living in the West, practicing their deen, struggling hard i praise all those qualities but if you want to have a debate against a group of people such as the Asha'ira uh, or the maturidis or study it at least at the very least get the tasawwur correct and that's if i would talk to them that's what i would say okay all right um let's take a look at your questions is kalam 3.0 for beginners I would I didn't take the course, but I would say that you need to have a decent background in the terminology of what he's saying first. Okay. Are the Americans better days than the British who are very reserved? I think that there is some spark. I can't say for individuals, but in general. As a general observation, I do believe that the Americans have a spark. There's a spark in this continent. There, it's a young, it's a young civilization, right? 
there's a spark to it. I think there is a little bit now some, it's been soiled of late with all their sins. And now people are in anxiety and fear and hatred and anger. But there is a spark and there is a sense that for Americans, a sense of whatever it is out there, we could do it better. Right. And I think that's, that's it, as long as it doesn't spill into arrogance, it's a good quality. Okay. It's dangerous to have a camera pointing at your face all the time and doing dawa. Here's a message for days. The moment you feel that your heart is being corrupted, shut the camera off, stay offline for a couple days, completely offline, because it can mess with your head, right? As good at, as much as it is a good deed, it can mess with your head. So stay offline for a few days every once in a while, like every week, take two days off so that your head could get balanced again. Walk in the streets, nobody knows about you, no one cares about you. A little bit of dose of reality is very important. That's why I think spirituality is important. Having a scholar is important. Having teachers, having mentors, it's very important. Having scholars that you keep their com- their company and you listen to their advice. Very, very important. Um, hey, Omar, can we get uh, Paul from Blogging Theology? I want to interview him. He's interviewed everyone else. Yeah. I want to interview his philosophy of Dawah, his whole journey that he came here through. Okay. Yeah, the Thinking Muslim podcast. If you want to hear thought a thoughtful podcast, go to the Thinking Muslim. They're very good. Lily Rose says, "I used to uh, before I put hijab on. I used to get a lot of questions from others on Islam. The moment I put it on, nobody wants to talk. It's people are are they like to approach someone that looks like them. That's why they may approach Ali Maliki Click, and they may not approach myself, me." People are just they're a bit nervous with outsiders. But if you're one of them, they'll talk to you. That's why the dawah can only really be from the own, their own people, right? Um, myself, who am I going to be able to reach? People sort of similar to me, second generation, right? That's probably what we're going to reach. We're not going to reach, you know, cultures that, you know, that, we're, that, we can't, that can't relate to us and we can't relate to them. Okay. Chocolate Walla notes Hamza Karamali's breakdown of the argument from contingency was the most concise one I have ever come across. He's updated on what the atheists say, what they respond back, and he brought the argument of contingency. We need to clip out that interview it did with Nas. Spatience, Spatience, Sapience. I pick, gotta pick a better name. I'm gonna see Muhammad Hijab soon. What? Sapiens Institute is really good to learn about why God exists. I'm, I'm going to have to do a Google search now. Sapiens. Yeah. No. Hmm? He's coming. He is coming. Yep, he is coming. Uh, he's coming to New Jersey. Yes, he's going to come in. And as long as the, the schedule relay, uh, uh, remains the same, he's coming. Okay. When this is? Uh, November, inshallah. Sapience is the quality of being wise. Okay? So you sent me to the dictionary. All right. We should try and have an in person podcast with him. 
possible. It's possible, yeah. We need the two cameras, too. Yeah, we can set that up. Yeah. Go ahead. That would be a big podcast. When voters are choosing a candidate, they usually hope for one with at least a degree of sapience. Okay. There is a whole, you know, subculture now of women entering Islam through other women on YouTube. Right. And how do I know this? We have a convert page, a page for converts, mbic.org slash convert, I think it is. I don't know if we put an S there or not. But in the process, somebody had made a playlist for new Muslims. So I put on like the stuff that we need to have, like how to pray, how to fast, stuff like that. But then they're like, oh, let's put convert stories. And when they you look up convert stories, the number of videos of like, let's say a Muslim woman who converts, but the comments underneath it, people just take a shadow right there on the spot on the video. It's insane. And then some of them, the converts, all they do is they'll, they'll watch a video and they'll, re- they'll just be watching it. And you see the reaction, right? So it's a shahada, a new shahada, watching a new shahada. Like someone been Muslim for three months, watching a video of someone taking their shahada, crying, and the video, the comments is all an emotional meltdown, right? Everyone's crying. It's a world. I'm telling you, it is a world out there. Uh, and, and it's something that I think strengthens Muslim uh, women who enter Islam. I'm assuming it does. Because they see... I'm not alone here. There's women all over the continent. I'm telling you, the con- all over the, the, the globe, I mean. Enter in Islam. He's asking a question now. Do you Hussein. Have, do you, uh, it's on Instagram. Uh, do you have advice for people who learn Islam on their own, online courses, books, etc., to not fall into extremism? Uh, I highly advise what Maliki Click says. Don't try to do this alone. Do not try to do this. Let me tell you something. I tried to do something alone. I got injured. Okay. I tried to do some fitness strength training. I'm a, I got injured. I'm out for two months, right? Couldn't do anything for two months. Don't, that's in the body. Imagine the soul. Imagine the mind. Don't do this alone. You got organizations out there okay, that you could sign up for. Why don't we run some of the ArcView pictures real quick? Let's do a quick loop of them um, while we're at it. Uh, the whole purpose of our operation is to go from this talk to everybody to be able to now give you something that is quick and easy Arab you can learn Arabic three hours a week right with a teacher and a tutor and everyone next all right arcview.org these are the four things that we cover basic kids plus and Arabic next okay um, if you have kids and they want to memorize Quran learn fiqh learn sirah this is the place to go Okay. We just had a talk yesterday on this platform. MashaAllah, they did a great job in setting up Ustadh uh, Hosei uh, Mujaddidi talked about gender to kids. Like, like, what's going on? What is our position on this? Next. Plus, once you take the basic, there's going to be basic, your fundamentals, $10 a month. Now you go into scholarship track, $40 a month. You hop on, you take the Zoom class. If you, you can catch up on pre-recorded videos too. All right, next. So that's plus. Skip that. Where's the basic one? That's okay. 
whatever it is. So basic is if you're like, I need to start learning arcview.org and enroll in the basic uh, plan. Okay. Yeah. Jan is asking, Assalamu alaikum. Could you please explain, explain for me why the different ways of reciting the Quran, Hafs, Warsh, etc. have extra words or letters when they said that the Quran is always the same? The Quran is, uh, the, the uh, Quran was revealed in all of the dialects of the Arabs. Okay? All the dialects of the Arabs. When the Quran was compiled into one book, it was compiled in the language of the Quraysh. Okay, in the in the in the accent and the dialect and the accent of Quraysh. And when they wrote the script at the time there were no dots and no short vowels. So what of the accents and the dialects remained is anything that fit that basic codex. Hence the if if letter if a word differed on dots or on short vowels those are the differences that existed. And none of the dialect differences amount to a single alteration of doctrine or creed or law. Nothing. Right? It's just synonyms. Okay? Like literally just synonyms. Or different perspectives on something of a story, for example. That's it. It's, uh, I, I would really have to say, honestly, it's a big... Uh, a do about nothing it's a big attempt and secondly here's a question for you all those who get that information where are they getting the information from our books because we preserved it if it was some kind of great revelation would the muslim scholar and and would the muslim scholar have preserved it right All right, let's look here. Questions, please make dua that my friend Daniel becomes a Muslim. What is the best book that can introduce me to the Medhub says Agnes Maverick? There's two books on the four imams. One book is by Jibril Haddad. Jibril with a G. G.F. Haddad. The second book is by Abu Muhammad Abu Zahra. Okay. So I would highly recommend you buy both of them. And all over the web, you can get, you can watch biographies. The biography of Abu Hanifa, the biography of Malik. And we use our brain, we use our mind, we do our research to assess which scholar, which school of thought, which methodology is most worthy of following that's where we use our mind we think we don't blind follow we think but as soon as we choose a madhab then we we listen we study we listen we follow it we already decided the sources sound the methodologies sound later on you can learn the evidences this is very important to to do it that way you don't take every single ruling you learn and say i need to know the evidence it's not 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 practical okay it's not practical. You trust the source. You get a fitness trainer. He says, take this vitamin, take this vitamin, do this push-up, rest like this, sleep like that, drink like that. You don't say, well, what's the proof for this? Each one. No, you chested him. You chose him. You studied him. 
You examine him. Okay? Now you trust it. And you can learn the evidences, the particular evidences later. Okay? So when you study a, uh, the four imams, you are studying the life of the imam and, most importantly, the methodology. More than, the, more than his life, the methodology. What is his methodology of discerning matters that were not explicit in the Qur'an or the hadith? That's essentially what, what it is. The speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explicit or implicit, okay? And sometimes silent on a matter. So the explicit, we don't need schools of thought. It's clear. The Qur'an is crystal clear on certain things. We don't need a school of thought for that. Only when the, the, the speech of the Qur'an is equivocal, it could have different meanings, okay? It's speculative. It could have different meanings. That's where we need a school of thought. Or where the Qur'an and the Hadith and the Prophet ﷺ were silent. We need imams for that. Muslim Dawasin trying to adopt Andrew Tate. We don't need him or what he represents. Uh, Andrew Tate did his job, which is to give his testimony of faith to Allah and his messenger. He owes it to that. He, he, he owes it. Every human being on the earth owes it to recognize their creator and the messenger of their creator. That's it. What dawah? There's no dawah. He's not giving dawah. Some people follow him in that. Wonderful. If he inspires people to do their duty towards Allah and his messenger, then good. But is he now declaring himself a spokesperson of Islam? No. Okay. Is he now, you know, teaching Muslims how to live? No. Andrew Tate? He's saying about Andrew Tate. So I said, what, what, did, what did he do? He did his job in declaring, testifying that there's no God but Allah and it's Muhammad is messenger. So I said, that's what everyone has to do. He just did what he has to do, right? And he inspired some other people to do that. So I know what's But I don't think everything that he says is, is oh, totally terrible. Sometimes his style of saying things is bad, but some of his... it's He's not completely evil in my opinion and his his views aren't so so as terrible as people make him out to be sometimes yeah he curses he says things like that and he's that's just that's i guess his background that's not there's no excuse in, from an islamic standpoint but when the way uh, he's oftentimes portrayed i felt like i don't really i didn't really see that he was a completely filthy like the way people are making it out to be that's just a matter of opinion but in terms of dawah no there's no dawah what dawah no dawah you can say ya rahman ya rahim as many times as you want there is no set number that is a sunnah but there is no prohibition on saying it anytime as many times as you want can you say bless you to a non-muslim who sneezes yes it's a prayer you're hoping allah blesses him with with guidance for example Um. What is Ihsan Mosque in Norwich, England, or Norwich, I think it's pronounced? Um, I didn't know that that was a scene, that, that was, there was activity there. There was Dawah activity there. I didn't know that there was Dawah activity in Norwich. So give me the update. That's from... SR commenting on YouTube, so I don't know what it is, so give us the update. 
Um, Umrah. If you want to meet up in Umrah, December 22nd, inshallah ta'ala, is the day that we're going and we'll be spending um, four nights Medina, four nights Mecca, so you can catch up with the group there. Should you ask Allah, if you ask Allah to relieve you of sexual desire, will he relieve you of it? No, sexual desire, it's built in the human being. It, it's There's a reason it's there. There's ma- There are many, many reasons that sexual desire, we are created with it. So you don't really ask Allah to remove it from you, but you ask Allah to make you control it. You can control it by fasting a lot, not eating certain oily foods that maybe incite you up, decrease your sugar, try to go sugar-free, uh, try to sleep early. I mean, sleep early, you have more control over yourself, self-control, trying to stay up too late where your your mind starts to dim and your ability to, to, to control yourself decreases when you get tired. Uh, question here comes from Amin Ibn Taymiyyah's Aqidah Al-Wasitiyah and Ash'ari and Maturidi Aqidah. Uh, there are many, many differences. There are too many to, for us to get on with here. But I highly recommend everyone take Hanbali Aqidah. That's a class. Hanbali Aqidah on Arcview Basic. Go to arcview.org and take Hanbali Aqidah. Okay. Ja'fari Madhab, is it recognized? No, it is not one of the madhabs of Ahl Sunnah, even if Al Azhar adapted it. Um, I don't know what why they adapted it. It doesn't have a chain that's valid in the uh by the standard of Ahl Sunnah, and hence there are four madhabs and the Ja'fari Madhab is not one of them. Um but we do have that Imam Malik and uh, his main teacher was Ja'far Sadiq. In Relation to loving the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When you read the biographies of Imam Malik, this comes out very clearly. The one who taught him, the degree, but every of course everyone in Medina honored the Prophet, but the degree and the intensity of honoring the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Malik took it directly, direct chain to Jafar al-Sadiq. There's no discussion about it, no doubt about it. How can we apply the Sirah in our lives? We read it constantly. Okay. We read it constantly, and we um, we start to take examples from it and act upon it in our own lives. How can we get a cap the way the cap that you're wearing? It was made, and I'm still looking for people to make more of it. I wish a company could just make I could get a hundred of them. Thoughts on Sneeko? He accepted Islam, yet does not take knowledge from the right people. Never heard of him. I think you guys showed me somebody, is that him who took, but he then, the guy says, well, you have to be careful of innovators. And he's like, oh, like Salafis. <laughs> that made me laugh. I remember what you guys showed me that video. Uh, but may Allah got all these people, honestly. It's a crazy world out there, so nobody needs more negativity. We need positivity. May Allah guide him and all the other people. You know, even these guys that uh, cr- say crazy things about you know, madhabs and ashadis and stuff like that. May Allah guide them. That's all we're going to say. Is haram to make money from a job that you lied on your resume to get? The lying was haram, but the money is halal, inshallah. If the job is halal, like an IT job. The, the lying was haram, but inshallah, the, the, the money is not going to be haram. Okay. But make sure it doesn't come back to haunt you. I was told to lie, believe it or not. Uh, and everything in interviews, right? You know what? One one time, a mentor, Muslim, not a sheikh, but a Muslim mentor at university. You know what he told me one time? 
he said to me, he interviewed me for a position. He said, do you know how to type in Arabic? At the time, I didn't really know how to type in Arabic. I said, um, no. After the interview, he said, listen, I'll give you the job, but next time, don't say no. Say yes, then go home and learn, right? <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, does that, like, does that even count then? Because he's, like, hiring you, telling you to do that. Huh? Cause he, but he's the one hiring you to tell yeah. you. Yeah. So does that really count? I mean, like, because he's hiring you. Or like, well, he, well, he was like, if you interview again anywhere else, oh, and, anywhere they, else. and they ask you about a skill, say yes, and then go learn it that night. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, let's take this. Fatima bint Abdul Rauf. I think it says here in the Hanafi school, I heard you can combine Isha with Maghrib during travel. No. No, they don't combine. They do not combine. Ta'weed on sifats. Either we make ta'weed on the sifa, or we make ta'weed on the meaning, as the Hanabila do. Or we do tafweed. We just remain silent. Or we just say it as Allah says it, and that's it. All these is the ways of Ahlul Sunnah. Uh, you should get the Buleys, right? I want write it down. We'll see if we can interview one of the Buleys about. They have a long history, right? They're the translators of many of these books. What's a general opinion from scholars with regard to the permissibility of istighatha? No. Uh, it's a matter of fiqh and not a matter of aqidah. That I can tell you. What times your flight will arrive in Medina? I can't remember the time, to be honest with you. The Umrah trips, the Fina Society, NBIC, non-locals, can they travel? The problem is that you'd have to get to JFK. Yes, you can, but you have to get to JFK. And then you can take the flight with us. It, we're going to soon be, or you can meet us there and just join us. We're going to soon be making a call because we need to raise like a small amount of money, like 25K, right? And that's going to help give the scholarships out to the youth because that's really what it's all about. This is about the youth, okay? It's about the youth. And we want to give them like a trip of their life to just completely, they get transformed, these young youth. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to go. Unfortunately, time is up. It's 3.22. Late. Ladies and gentlemen, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Thank you.